Welcome to the Set Yourself Free podcast, real stories from ending emotional abuse and trauma and taking back your life. I'm your host, Carrie Veach, owner of Set Yourself Free. I'm a life and success coach that believes we all have limitless potential within ourselves if we have the right tools and support. Trauma or past hurt might be a part of your story, but it doesn't have to be the whole story. We all have different versions of what freedom means, and I'm here to help you uncover your perfect version of how to set yourself free. Join us for season one, where we follow five extremely brave women through their journey of setting themselves free. Through their stories, you will know that you are not alone that it does get better on the other side and learn practical ways that you too can set yourself free. Let's dive in. Hi, I'm Renee Reese. I am a success and business coach, um, aka the Intuitive CEO and founder of the Intuitive CEO Membership. My name is Dee, founder of Dee's Divine Guidance, and I'm a spiritual healer and empowerment coach, and I help women heal from toxic relationships through divine guidance and spiritual practices. Hi, I'm Rowania, and a lot of people call me Ra. So I actually grew up in the far north of New Zealand, and I'm currently based in Bali, which is super exciting, and I am a mindset and self worth coach and I am also a therapist specializing in neurolinguistic programming and timeline therapy. So that's me and that's what I do and I'm really super excited to be part of this. My name is Noor Pinna. I'm a mental health counselor and a transformation mindset coach. I work on shame, boundaries and self-care. Um, those are my like main go-tos. Um, I work a day job right now. I have a Facebook community that I just launched that I was very like afraid of, but I just dug my heels in and just did it. Um, and it's called the Magical Mindset in Resiliency. Um, so little some fun facts about me is I love hiking. I love doing potlucks and I love creative arts and I'm a, I'm a side poet. My name is Nikki Bruno, and I am a 42-year-old single mom. I live in, currently live in Somerville, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. And I am about to, literally in three days, move to Los Angeles. I have been, in terms of my professional life, I spent 18 years as a book editor, mostly of children's books. I worked for a Scholastic, and then I worked for Prentice Paul for a while. And since 2007, I have been a solopreneur. I've had my own business first as an editor and a writer. And in 2015 16, I became a professional coach. And now I'm working as a life coach. And my company is called The Epic Comeback. And what I do now, which is my mission and my purpose for being on this planet is I help women to stage epic comebacks in their lives after going through a life-shattering experience, such as divorce or being in an abusive relationship or loss or illness. And that's what I do now. And 
I am loving it. Where were you at the beginning of this journey? Renee? Um, I think for a very, very long time, um, early uh, in my childhood and my teenage years, I was very, very high functioning, even though I was going through um, lots of abuse and trauma. And um, yeah, no one really knew what I was going through. I was dealing with um, lots of suicidal issues and anxiety and depression, but I was very, very high functioning um, until I wasn't. Um, and in the beginning of this journey, I would say I was in law school, um, my first year of law school. And um, I was, uh, I, sorry, I very much enjoyed school. I love school my entire life. So do love learning. And, you know, law school is just another one of those things I threw myself in. Um, I definitely defined myself by my work. And um, so that was happening. And then it was winter break and I was excited for the next semester. I'd done um, really well uh, my first semester and I was looking forward to the new year and um, the new semester. And I was sexually assaulted. And, um, I, as someone who's had dealt with, you know, sexual abuse as a child and other types of abuse as a kid, um, my coping mechanism at the time was, okay, just, you know, push it down, uh, keep going. You have school to do, focus, study. Um, that was kind of like my safety and my, my studies. And, um, for the first time in my life, I just could not do that. <laughs> and it was, it, I had never been more out of my depths and out of control and feeling so helpless because I was, I was just super depressed and I couldn't go to class for a little bit. I was, and this was just so unlike me. I, I was very studious, very, just very much into school. And I just, I don't know, like I just was not the same. I was very, very different, very depressed and thinking of dropping out of law school actually. Um, but yeah, that is the beginning, I would say. Well, and I think that's so important for people to hear that oftentimes when something from our past comes back up, how re-traumatizing that can be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how much we have to pay attention to our bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the time, it's so funny that you said that. At the time, like, I didn't realize it was a pattern. Like, it, it just, I had been there before, but it just, it just didn't click in my mind. It, for me, it was like this completely separate event <laughs> that had nothing mm-hmm. to do with anything that had ever happened before. And I was almost kind of just annoyed at the event, just not because it, you know, completely traumatized me and I had PTSD and depression and anxiety. Afterwards, it was just because I just wanted to go back. My coping mechanism wasn't working anymore. So I was frustrated that this happened. I was like, man, I just want to like move on with my life and and get past this. But it's so interesting that, that, um, that my body did recognize it before I did. Well, and I think especially as high achieving women, that's our, our normal pattern, right? We want to fix yeah. it. We want to move <laughs> on and we want to keep achieving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. I, 
you know, like put myself and my soul and all that kind of in the back burner and put achieving as number one. And it was only because I couldn't achieve that I realized like I had to get help and I had to fix this. I had no other choice at that point. D. So the beginning of my journey really kind of started... I feel like it started way, way back. Even like I always attracted these guys who were um, needy. No, I was needy. I attracted guys that would take advantage of my neediness and I would be manipulated by them and I would just need to, you know, have them around me and want them around me and all that. And if you fast forward a little bit, like I get to my marriage and I was just coming out of like, a narcissistic relationship, which I didn't even know what that was at the time. And um, I got involved with this other guy who ended up being my husband. And in the beginning, you know, he's my soulmate. I was like, I can't believe I found this guy. He was just like amazing. And then, you know, a few months down the line, things started to change. And I, you know, was completely kind of thrown back and I would ask him and ask him and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about, which just made me feel like I was crazy and that I was needy and that, you know, all that stuff. So, I mean, I feel like I've dealt with this for a really long time, but the, you know, the relationship, my marriage just got worse and worse. And especially after we had children, because all of my attention were on the kids, um, the marriage just really deteriorated a lot. And plus like he didn't help me a lot. So therefore I felt very like overwhelmed, very, um, like I didn't matter. And that like, how is he not helping me? Like, how does he not care? And I was just overcompensating. I was running a business. I was taking care of my kids. I was trying to make him happy, even though he wasn't helping me. And I lost myself. So, you know, in the beginning of this journey, I mean, all throughout, since the beginning, like, I just feel lost because I always felt like I couldn't get someone to stay with me or what was wrong with me. And, you know, I felt like I was overwhelmed and, taken advantage of and like not heard and not seen and just very like devastated inside and broken, um, had anxiety and depression and, you know, I was in a bad place. (laughs) Did you ever feel like you had a sense of self? I don't even think I knew what self was. Mm. I, I, I felt like I was just always like struggling to just survive and feeling like I just had to do the next thing to, to, to survive. And I was always searching for that love. You know, I had a lot of men in my life, but you know, they, were, they weren't one night stands. Like I was looking for a relationship, even though they weren't. Um, so yeah, I, I don't even think I knew what self was at that point. Uh, so this was how long ago? So my marriage, we got married in 2000 and, um, no, 2008. So we were married for almost nine years when everything went down. So it was a long time. And, you know, probably, and I knew even before I got married that I shouldn't have married him. I remember I was standing in my dining room and I got this sense of, I knew I shouldn't have done it, but it was like two weeks before the wedding. And I was like, being who I am, like, I'm never going to disappoint people like that. So I went with it and, um, yeah, nine years later throughout, you know, lying, um, manipulating, 
um, tried to break it off a couple of times, but always took him back because, you know, he cried and said he would change and then he did change for a little bit, but then went right back to who he was. Raw. Yeah. Um, So at the beginning of this journey, I had... I was studying psychology. So I was studying psychology part-time and I was also working part-time for a retail brand called Lululemon, which is quite a big global brand. And it was really the first time for me that I'd really felt quite comfortable in who I was. I've been on a really big journey myself in terms of how I see myself and my own self-worth and at that point in time I felt really confident and really had started loving myself and I had this person message me asking me for some help because I'd started sharing a lot on social media started the journey of diving into that health and wellness realm and wanting to help people and putting myself out there to help people as a coach. And that's where it all started. And that's how we first connected. And I started helping this person. And it was the first time that I had really helped anyone in this kind of sense, in this kind of scope, not really necessarily knowing them too well and there was a part of me that was using it as validation really I suppose Mm -hmm. of knowing what I could do what I could do Um, because I knew that I've helped many people in the workplace many of my friends but this was the first time kind of working with someone else and During that time, this person, yeah, I suppose really just started with him seeing me and I hadn't really been seen in that way and showering me with a lot of attention and telling me things that I'd wanted to hear. And so it kind of crossed that boundary And there was part of me that was like, oh, I probably shouldn't do this. Um, At that stage, I didn't have a business. So it was me kind of trialing to see if this could work. And then there was part of me thinking, I really want this. And this person seems to be the person that I could really want to be with. And so I, yeah, decided to go with it, really, because mm-hmm. it was the first time someone was really nice to me. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that was the big difference because for such a long time previous to that, like I had been in a lot of relationships whereby a lot of men kind of used me for sex more than anything. Mm. And I'd always wanted a relationship. And so 
that there, like even in saying that now, right? Like I wanted a relationship, which meant that I also, even though I said that I was confident, happy in myself, I probably wasn't super confident and happy in myself because I still wanted that, which is a natural human thing to want. Sure. Um, but I placed a lot of emphasis on that. So it mm. sounds like you were in this place of really getting to know yourself, being confident, but still a little piece of you was seeking that validation and then all of a sudden it showed up. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it was like the start of me doing everything that I wanted to do for myself. Mm. Yeah. You know, like I had all these dreams and I was like, okay, I'm going to do them now. I'm going to be in action of it. I'm going to start living what it is that I want. But there was still that small part of me that wanted a partner, wanted love. Like, because I hadn't had that in that way. And a lot of the relationships previous to that, not all of them, but a lot of them were quite toxic. Mm. Mm. And so, yeah, when this person came into my life and kind of told me all these things and started doing all these things for me, which I like, I loved. Um, I love, one of my love languages is quality time and acts of service. And he did lots of acts of service for me. And I was like, wow, like, I felt really loved. Sure. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think what I, you know, when you, when you reflect on it, but, um, you know, I didn't look at the red flag of, this person is coming to ask me for help and there's a lot of things going on and I kind of didn't necessarily really look at that as deeply as what I could have. I saw all the things that I wanted to see and all the really nice things, really. Yeah. And how that kind of switched and changed Mm. quite quickly. Nor. Um, so I'm going to take you back into my past a little bit. Um, I was born in Pakistan. I was raised there like um, until I was six. Um, I have four siblings. I'm the oldest daughter and I have two younger sisters and one older brother. So we lived in my grandmother's house in Karachi in Pakistan um, with my dad and my mom and my siblings. And the first few years of my parents' marriage life were really good. And then like there was this ugly turn that occurred. And um, one day when I was like, it was an evening and it was like, I was around like five or six. Um, I There was a party going on and my mom was entertaining the guests and we were out on the veranda and um, I saw my dad like leave and then walk out the back door and I could see him and he looked at me and in that moment, I kind of recognized like, oh, like something's wrong. Like he's not going to come back. Um so that was, you know, 
my mom freaked out the next morning when he didn't return. Um, I clearly remember telling her like, give the clothes to like the servants or donate them because like, he's not coming back. And at like five years old, how do you even know that? You know? And I just remember my mom, like, and she never hit me, but like that day she like slapped me and she was like, he's coming back, you know? And I was just like, no, he's not, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then my journey began, like my grandmother came to Pakistan and she brought us to, uh, America when I was like six or seven. So what I can now say is that I've learned a lot about that time period when my dad left. Um, so from like relatives when I visited Pakistan or like my grandmother telling me, my mom telling me a little bit here and there is that my dad wanted to split us, you know, so he wanted two kids and my and my mom just have two kids. He didn't want all the kids um, or escaping Pakistan. Like my dad apparently like stood in the corner and just like didn't do anything. So he just let us go you know? And so like, I just, I don't remember that part. It's just something that I have been told and it was ingrained into the narrative that I created about my dad, you know? Um, so that's where my journey kind of started. Like when I was five or six with the clear mind that my dad had abandoned me um, and walked out the back door. So. And with such intuition at such a young age, yeah, I like, I like to this day, I can't like, I'm like still flabbergasted that like, how did I know at five that like my dad was not coming back? Like he just had that look on his face and I just knew, you know, and so like it was my gut and I didn't know that gut instinct, you know? Yeah. And I imagine the narrative around that then could either be really scary or really powerful. Yeah, it was more as a chunk, as a young child, it was more of a scary narrative. It was about being like abandoned and like, um, being rejected and feeling lonely. And like, I don't understand like what happened, like, what could I have done differently? You know, like a lot of children of divorce, like go through that kind of like phase, like, was it me? And could I have done something better? Um, so I went through that, you know, growing up, um, especially when I saw like fathers and daughters, especially like playing. Um, and even to this day, I get like somewhat emotional about it, but my narrative has changed a lot more than it was back in the day. Nikki. Yes. And as I think about this question, it is difficult to think about a moment that's the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Because as I reflect on the journey, I realize that there's this mixture of where was I when I was conscious that the journey had begun mm. versus where do I feel like I should have realized that I was at the beginning of this journey. So it's funny what happens in my memory while I think about it. But my best answer to this question is that at the beginning of this journey, I was married. And my husband and I had been married for eight years, and we had been together for 10 years. 
And I was fully 1000% committed to our marriage. We were absolutely on track to be together for the rest of our lives. At this point, we had one child, we had my son. And when the journey kind of really began, our son was about 17 months old. And we had what anyone would describe as a privileged, kind of golden, amazing, jet-setting life. When my ex-husband and I got married, we took a nine-month honeymoon. We traveled all over the world. And in the ensuing years, we had this pact that we would leave the country at least once. And we would go to another country or another continent and travel and get to know the place. And so by the time this journey sort of began, we had been to probably about 50 plus countries together. We had a really fun and active life in Boston. So we were in Boston for the entirety of our relationship although with a lot of travels in between, because as I said, we took a nine-month honeymoon and we also took the entire year of 2010 off to travel. And we were super, super active. We were both really into scuba diving. We hiked mountains all over the world. We had a fun and active social life in Boston. All of our friends, almost all of our friends were mutual and everybody loved each other, and we had dinner parties all the time. We would go hiking in New Hampshire and Vermont all the time, and mountain biking, and just had this wonderful, close group of friends that felt like family. So there were so many things about our life that would have caused people to describe us as being this perfect couple with a perfect life. We both had our own businesses and so we didn't we didn't live or, or subscribe to a kind of typical becoming less typical now but kind of a sure. typical lifestyle American lifestyle where you work in an organization 9 to 5 and you have two or three if you're lucky weeks of vacation. And since we both had our own businesses, we could travel or play tennis or basically do what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it. So that degree of freedom and autonomy was something that we didn't really, we didn't know anybody else who lived like us. Hmm. So you have this picture perfect life to everyone. From the outside, it sounds like you yes. felt like you were living in your fairy tale, also, it sounds like you seemed very happy up until that point, yes, yeah, well, for the most part, I would say for the first seven years of our marriage, so yes, the answer to that is yes, for the first seven years of our marriage, so between two thousand six and two thousand thirteen, picture perfect, yes, and Overall, I would have told anybody that I was happy and blessed in my life. Yep. 
So I think it's really important to note after hearing the beginning of five stories of these five incredibly brave women that no two are the same. Yes, there are common themes and common threads you can find throughout the stories, but no story is like the other. And that is one of the most beautiful pieces of life, that we are all on a journey and it all looks different, but we can come together, we can share in a collective experience that A, we're not alone and B, we get to meet each other where we are. So take note and take heart if you feel alone, if you feel scared that these women are with you that they might be at a different place in their journey than you are right now. But my goal and my hope with this entire podcast and with creating this format is that you can find yourself in a piece of someone's story, that if you're feeling lost or alone or unsure of yourself, that it's okay, that it does get easier and better as we open ourselves up to healing and to growth and to knowing that we have such magic within ourselves. So I can't wait for you to dive in to the next episode with us and see where the journey takes these five women. So stay tuned for episode two. And thanks so much for tuning in to the beginning of what is a beautiful, beautiful unfolding of these stories for these five women. Thank you so much for listening to the Set Yourself Free podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here supporting me and supporting these incredibly brave guests. If you could do me a favor and take one minute to share this episode with someone that you think needs to hear it, I would be so grateful. And if you are willing, please leave us a review. Each month, I will be choosing a reviewer to give a free session to as a thank you for listening to this podcast. One thing I know for certain is that shame can only grow in secret. I'm more encouraged than you could possibly know by those that are willing to speak up and help all of us know that we are not alone. So don't forget, head on over to my website grab your free journal, and you can also book a call with me to see if we're a great fit in supporting your journey to setting yourself free. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.